Oh, this is unbelievable. You know, being down 2-1 um, with two minutes left, you know, we're thinking we're going to game seven. Blackhawks live. Hawks play with an empty net at six attackers. Keith on the left board. The chase beside the net. Put it in front. Bickle did the score! Brian Bickle with a point blank shot. Beats Rask with 1-16 to go in the third period. And we're tied at two. Brian Bickle. You show the character we have in our locker room. I know there's a lot of guys that took uh, their whole career to be where we are right now, and I'm happy for them. The season we had, it's only the one way we want to end, and it's the way we did. Now, it's time to talk Hawks. <laughs> Go Blackhawks! Here's Joe Brand. Well, it is always fun to go into the way back machine. And pull out highlights and post-game comments from the 2013 season. Just a spectacular run in the regular season. An even more impressive run in the playoffs. And who could forget 17 seconds at the TD Garden and ruining the Boston Bruins' hopes of that Stanley Cup in 2013. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. We do this every week, typically on Monday nights. And yes, it is a Monday night. Uh, Stay safe, everyone out there on the roads throughout the night and tomorrow. Sounds like we're about to get some nasty weather, but uh, stay tuned to WGN Radio for all updates on that. We're coming off a game where we saw a different type of Blackhawks team, and it's almost the last two games for this squad. And it seems like that this is the type of hockey that's going to be necessary for the next couple of weeks. 4-3 victory against the Calgary Flames yesterday at the United Center. The Hawks really did make it the best day ever. But it was a fun environment at the United Center. Fun, engaged crowd. And just a hard-working team. And it was nice to see that effort rolling over after the game against the New Jersey Devils on Friday. And all this happening without Connor Bedard, without Nick Foligno, and without a handful of other guys, too. We've gone down the injured reserve list a few times over the past couple of weeks, and how can you not? The Hawks missing so many important pieces on this team, and now they lose arguably the top two most important people on the offense. Connor Bedard with a broken jaw injury. We're not entirely sure how long he's going to be out for. Nick Foligno with a fractured finger on his left hand. Not entirely sure how long he's going to be out for. Both of those injuries basically coming from the same occurrence. It was the hit from Brendan Smith on Connor Bedard that broke his jaw, knocked him out of the game, and then Nick Foligno defending his teammate, got in a scrap with Brendan Smith. And then Felino went down and just uh, a road trip from hell is what I was calling it. Five games, five players going down. They got a breather in the New York game against the Rangers. After that, they weren't so lucky. They lose Bedard and Felino, And it is going to be frustrating and tough and disappointed to see this team without Connor Bedard for the next couple of weeks. And I'm not trying to play the role of eternal optimist here. I'm not trying to sugarcoat how rough it is to lose Connor Bedard. That stinks. That really, really is just a bummer on everything that was fun to watch this team and and watch this 18-year-old just shine in his first year of the NHL. He was just named the youngest all-star in NHL history. Actually, was chatting with my friend Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago about maybe there's a world where Bedard can compete in the skills competition. I think that would be great. It would be great for him. It'd be great for the sport. 
But obviously, the thing that matters most is Connor Bedard's health, what's best for him and his recovery back to the Chicago Blackhawks. We don't know the exact timeline. Speculation is that it's around six weeks. That's typically what a broken jaw leads to. But there's going to be a significant amount of time without Connor Bedard that this team is going to need to figure out how to get through games and how to play together. And yesterday, I think, was a great example of that. They're not the most talented roster out there. The Calgary Flames are probably a much better team, but they didn't show that yesterday. As Troy Murray put it, with Connor McDavid coming to town tomorrow night to the Edmonton Oilers, no, you can't outskill Connor McDavid, but you can't outwork him. It is possible. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of ingenuity, but that's kind of what the Blackhawks have right now. That's what they have to rely on. I do have some great sound from Connor Murphy I want to get to in a moment, but we are going to reserve most of this first segment to Colin Blackwell, who picked up his first three-point game with the Hawks yesterday, a two-goal game. He nearly got the hat trick with an empty net goal. But in 10 games this season, Colin Blackwell has just provided a spark of energy, and he's done it the old-fashioned way with just a hard-working effort finding himself in the right place at the right time, throwing the puck towards the net, and just outworking guys. And it's it seems to be a result of all the time that he has missed, dating back to the end of last season where his year was ended prematurely because of a sports hernia surgery. took forever for him to come back, dealing with all these sort of setbacks over the summer and during training camp, and he has completely relished his opportunity and taken full advantage of it. In fact, he's done so well that he is our first ever cue shot, rather cue the shot, brought to you by Curveball Whiskey, a new sponsor here on Blackhawks Live. Murphy took it for the Hawks. Quick pass over. Blackwell down the left wing. Flame zone. Pulls up the wing. Fires! He scores! Outstanding play by Colin Blackwell. He got the Flame defense on their heels and used one for a screen and snapped it into the top right corner past Lamar. It's one nothing Hawks. John Wideman on the call last night as the Hawks down the Calgary Flames 4-3. to That is our cue the shot brought to you by Curveball, the original barbecue whiskey. Join the Bonehead Nation today at CurveballWhiskey.com, and that's Curveball with a K. They were kind enough to send me and Jack Heinrich some swag. The, the whiskey looks phenomenal. It's got this barbecue theme, uh, a couple of different recipes that you can use with it. It, it came in a even a to-go container that you typically see see from some of the top-notch barbecue spots uh, with a nice can of Coke, a bag of Lay's, and uh, a ton of great stuff. So again, that's our new sponsors, Curveball Whiskey. Visit them at CurveballWhiskey.com. Again, Curveball with a K. And you can expect this for the rest of Blackhawks Live as we cue the shot every week. But it was a very impressive shot by Colin Blackwell. And he's continued to find himself, finding himself had this little knack for just drawing off the defender with a little shimmy, this offensive talent that we didn't see anything of last year. So that also makes you think that, man, that sports hernia that he was dealing with was probably quite an issue in last season for him. But he has, as I said, taken full advantage of this year. But it also sounds like this is just kind of a a lingering mindset that he's had his entire hockey career. I mean, I've always played like this, but I'm 30 years old, and a lot of people haven't really given me the time of day in my whole career, so I've always kind of played like that, Like, and I play with a chip on my shoulder, and I, I recognize that um, you know, I, I'm 
trying to fight for a spot on this team and then also um, just trying to um, you know make up for some lost time uh, I think I, I don't take the game for granted I never really did but um, when you miss a lot of time um, you know you got a little extra pep in your step and um, you know like I said a lot of people don't necessarily think very highly of me and uh, I uh, keep the receipts and so I'm always trying to play um, it's not always going to be scoring goals but you can influence the game in many different ways and um, I was just trying to do that every time I step on the ice how can you not get behind that how can you not root for that? That That is textbook Chicago mentality and, and exactly what Blackhawks fans just thrive for. How can you not be excited about that? And how can the players not? How can his teammates not? When this is a guy that had to sit out for the last chunk of last season, all throughout the offseason, all throughout training camp, and has only played in 10 games, and he's playing... With a smile on his face, he's scoring goals, he's creating plays, he's been elevated to the top line. I know, there's like eight guys on injured reserve, but still. And I said it on the post-game show, with everything that he brings and, and all the energy that he can create for this team, when he gets rewarded for that, when he scores, it gets elevated. I mean, his face after scoring that goal wasn't just, hey, that was awesome. It was, let's go, let's you-know-what go. How does that not feed on to the rest of the team? And that's exactly what this team needs right now. I, I was hearing Darren Pang mention yesterday during the game that there was a moment when he was on the Hawks and they lost Dennis Savard. And Savard was the best player. And it was, all right, guys, we need to rally together. Not only is it an X-man-up mentality right now, but we all need to come together right now. And they did go on a little five-game streak and picked up points in all of those games. Now, it did end up fizzling out a little bit, but the thing is, it's capable. It's it's there. The opportunity is there for guys to step up right now with Connor Bedard, Nick Foligno, and all the other guys out right now. And, and I think it can go a little bit deeper And I think last year is an example of why I think that way. More on that when we come back. We're going to hear from Connor Murphy as well. And uh, stick around. After the 7.30 news, Brian Bickle, 2013 Stanley Cup hero, joins us on Blackhawks Live right here on 720 WGN. We mentioned a little bit about that before a game. Uh, I think it's a good good mindset. It's a fun mindset to have. And obviously you want to be a team that teams are chasing. Uh, We're obviously not in that situation right now. And it's... uh, I think you can create a uh, storyline for each game and each part of the season. And, and for us, I think that's a great great way to go at it now is, uh, is realizing we have a lot of guys out and for everyone to come and, and band together quick and win games by work ethic, really. That is Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy after yesterday's 4-3 win against the Calgary Flames, courtesy of our producer and reporter Jack Heinrich, who was in the Blackhawks dressing room after yesterday's win. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Hawks' next game is tomorrow night. They're hosting the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid coming to the United Center. Unfortunately, it won't be a Connor-Connor matchup. We did see one earlier this year, but we won't get one at the UC tomorrow. Connor Bedard obviously out with a broken jaw. But Connor Murphy talking about basically an us-versus-the-world mentality. That's kind of what the Hawks need to have right now. And it was fun to hear him say it's fun to kind of embrace that mentality. I I appreciated Ryan Donato and Jason Dickinson on Saturday's practice talking about all the crazy injuries, but having a joking attitude about it. Because for the most part, all of these things are temporary. The Taylor Hall Injury really stinks, out for basically the entire year. Not quite sure what's going on with Andreas Athanasiu. 
his return just continues to get pushed and pushed. But everyone else pretty se- pretty much seems to be temporary. In fact, Seth Jones, Joey Anderson, and I believe Taylor Radish were out on the ice after practice on Saturday. So hopefully they're coming back sooner rather than later. This is some adversity the Hawks are just dealing with right now. And it comes at a horrible time because of all the struggles that they've had winning games this year. But there is a parallel, at least in my eyes, from last year and this year with what's going on right now. And if you remember last season, for the most part, the Hawks played pretty much a full 60 minutes. Was it good enough to win a lot of games? No. Did it work out in the draft lottery rankings? Yes. Not saying that that's the entire goal again this year. I mean, I really don't want to talk about how great Macklin Celebrini is after every post game, like I was last year with Connor Bedard. That is a possibility, though. I mean, that that very well could happen. The Hawks could wind up with the number one pick once again. But I don't think we need to go down that road just yet. I want to talk more about seeing this team play together as a team. I want to talk more about how good Luke Richardson is of instilling a good mindset in the locker room and having it translate out in the ice. We saw it a lot last year, and I think last year, for what the Hawks were doing, was probably the best-case scenario. They worked hard almost every game. They gave the other team a tough go no matter who the opponent was. They kept games, games interesting. They kept games fun. And then they wound up with Connor Bedard. I think everything went almost perfectly for the Hawks last year in terms of on the ice. This year, you can't quite say the same. However, Connor Bedard is exactly who we thought he would be. But that whole playing for a full 60 minutes, giving it their all every single night, isn't quite consistent this year. It's been getting better. I will say that. I I do think that this team is more in a two steps forward, one step back trend than one step forward, two steps back, but that's still not enough. However, I think that's turning. But the last two games, I think, are an example of what this team is capable of, even without Connor Bedard and Nick Felino and everyone else. I don't think they're a better team without those guys, but I do think they're capable of mulling together a full 60 minutes and just playing that fun type of hockey once again because there's really no other choice. And with so many guys being out, that creates a lot of rotation, a lot of different lines, a lot of different pairings. So guys need to get used to playing with different guys on the fly, heading into a game, and everybody just pitching in a little bit more. And you still got a lot of players on this team that are just basically showing their worth, whether it's with the Hawks or with another team. And once again, Kyle Davidson is put in a decision where he's got to fill up a roster by plucking guys from other organizations that really don't get too much of an opportunity to show what they're worth. And it has worked out very well for the Hawks as of late. Sam Lafferty, Jason Dickinson, Joey Anderson. So now maybe this is an opportunity for Rem Pitlick and uh, uh, Zach Sanford and Jacob Megna, these new guys that the Hawks have just picked up to take advantage of this new environment, of this new opportunity, and just see how it goes. I, I know it's been two games, and I know this is a very extreme way to think. But that last game of the road trip from hell was the Hawks' best opportunity to win a game. And that was without everybody that they're without right now. And then they beat the Calgary Flames at home. 
I know it was the second half of a back-to-back, but Calgary's in a position where they want to make the playoffs. Not quite sure if that's going to happen. They just lost on the road to Philly. By the way, crazy news from the Philadelphia Flyers and a trade with the Anaheim Ducks. We'll get to that after Brian Bickle when we chat with Jack about things around the league. Back to this, though. Um, This is what the Hawks are going to need to do for the next couple of weeks. They're going to need to put together a full team camaraderie, full 60 minutes, just simple hockey. And we saw that work out for them against the Calgary Flames on Sunday. It's not going to happen every night. It's not going to happen against every opponent. There's some really good teams out there and a lot of good teams that the Hawks are going to have to play. But this is kind of where Luke Richardson's squad excelled last year. So I'm in the optimistic mindset that it can happen again. It'll be interesting to see how they respond against Edmonton tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see how they do just these next couple of weeks. But the capability is there. The mindset is there. And again, I don't think this team is in a better position without all those players, including Connor Bedard and Nick Foligno. But it might end up working out for them in the long run. And I understand this is the most extreme optimistic take to have, but I only have it because of what happened last season. If last season was was kind of like this year in terms of the team not showing up either at the start of the game or not being able to hang on to a lead, I would have a different mindset. I, I think there'd be a lot more, I don't want to say problems, but challenges we'd be talking about right now. But again, how well last year went for the first year of a rebuild gives me belief that it can continue on again today. I do want to point out, too, Arvid Sutterbloom had back-to-back very solid outings after the rough loss against the St. Louis Blues. I know I've used a lot of these shows to talk about why the Hawks maybe aren't sending him down to Rockford immediately after a bad outing, but I I think these last two games are a good example of why the Hawks aren't so quick to pull that trigger because they do still have belief in the guy and also just in the guy's development. Again, it doesn't have to be a ha-I-told-you-so moment for Arvid Sutterbloom to validate what the Hawks are doing with him right now because, again, if there's a year to figure out what you got in this goaltender, this is the year. You might as well use it. You might as well take advantage of it. Really jacked to have Brian Bickle after the 7.30 news. I want to talk so much about that 2013 season. I want to talk so much about that playoff run and his playoff run that kind of uh, just really... I, I cannot, I, I don't even know that's a word, but made his career uh, so much even more exciting and uh, made him a Chicago staple for years to come. But first, we've got Steve Ruxton's news. It's coming up next here on 720 WGN. We're not quite sure how long Connor Bedard, Nick Felino will be out for the Blackhawks. The good news is it does look like guys like Seth Jones, Joey Anderson, Taylor Radish, Tyler Johnson, hopefully coming back sooner rather than later. And who knows, maybe if the Hawks can continue to muster up some solid performances against a couple of teams consecutively, then getting those guys back will be a a nice little boost every time they get somebody back. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. We're uh, still waiting to hear if we can uh, get Brian Bickle here on Blackhawks Live. Would love to chat with him. He popped by the United Center yesterday, hopped on 720 WGN with Troy Murray for a little bit. It was really cool to see him and uh, just 
kind of go back and think about that 2013 team that really took the city by storm. And I'll never forget, I was at col- I was in college at the time when the league was in the lockout and then the news came out that they were coming back, that hockey was coming back. And it, it almost felt like for a, a good part of that, well, it was the entire fall and then all the way through Christmas. It almost felt like it wasn't going to happen. And if it were to happen, it would just be this joyous celebration that kind of came out of nowhere. And that's exactly what happened. I remember it was one of those things where we went back to school a little bit earlier, you know, maybe the Saturday before classes started because the Hawks had their first game. I think it was against the Kings, I want to say. Um, and it was just, it was such a, a cool revival of the sport. And then obviously the Hawks go on that unbelievable run. It was, what, 21 straight games with at least a point, 13 straight wins. Um, it, it, they just, they never lost. And it never felt like they were going to lose. And once they won the President's Trophy, it was like, okay, like they, they better take care of business in the playoffs because the previous two years had been a little bit of a, a dull run. And it almost looked like, they were going to get bested by their arch rival in the final year that the Red Wings were in the Western Conference. All of a sudden, you know, the Hawks are down three games to one, and their backs are to the wall, but showed a lot of fight in them that year. Uh, Brent Seabrook with the overtime game winner in Game 7 after Nicholas Jalmerson's goal was uh, turned away, I guess, or, or overturned for a, a penalty that shouldn't have even happened. And uh, the Hawks found a way to, to rise from that and, and still eliminate the Detroit Red Wings and then go on to win the Stanley Cup. It was definitely a summer I'll never forget, and I think uh, a lot of Chicagoans as well, just because it it made the 2010 win even just be validated a little bit more. Because at that point, I mean, we weren't too used to winning around here much in Chicago. The Sox had just won in 05, I mean, prior to that, it was the run for the Bulls, and you almost thought it was just kind of a flash in the pan with the 2010 Hawks at the time after they got knocked out in the first round in back-to-back years in 11 and 12, and then it almost looked like it was going to be the same kind of story in 13, even though that Red Wings series was the second series. But it just really changed the dynamic of the organization, ended up winning three cups total, obviously the next one in 2015. But it was just such a fun squad, such a fun year, and uh, on, on all the runs that they had and how good of a team they were, you definitely wanted to see them finish it all off and win everything. And that's exactly what they did and just kind of solidified themselves in hockey history. It was it was quite a year, quite a summer, a whole bunch of fun. We, we typically go to Jack's look around the league in our last segment, but uh, we're still waiting to see if we're going to get our guests tonight. Might have to just jump to it right now. Are you are you ready to go, Jack, for our uh, look around the NHL? I was born ready. Of course. That's great. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> um, so you touched on that Flyers trade. We can get into that um, a little later. The big news for me today was William Nylander and the Maple Leafs agreeing to an extension. Um, I think our guy Devin in Palos Hills was wanting yeah, that's knee, right. Nylander to come to the Hawks. I've heard um, some other people on Twitter around the rumor mill thinking... You there know, was that big rumor that, yeah, he was definitely going to come to the Hawks or something yeah, like him, that. Yeah, um, coming. I mean, the Hawks have so much uh, cap space. I mean, it makes sense. They need someone to play with Bedard. Um, but unfortunately... Squashing that, he agrees to an eight-year, $92 million contract, 11 and a half a year. Um, it's going to begin next year, and he was going to be unrestricted this year. So 
A little bit of a rumor the Hawks might have got him, but he's staying in Toronto. It's good for Maple Leafs fans, and I do I do want to see them happy, but it, it is a little surprising it happened mid-year. I mean, right. it's, it's also good for Toronto that it did that way, but yeah, I wasn't expecting any news on that front to, to happen mid-year, but... Um, yeah, no, it's it, it is a bummer, but all we had were hypotheticals before and, and daydreaming before, so I guess it'll have to continue that way. Um, but there there are other guys out there, so just kind of a wait and see thing. Yeah, it was it was interesting because it seemed like Nylander wanted a deal in the summer, um, but he he didn't finish the year um, as hot as he wanted to, and it was kind of a waiting game, and then they they finally were able to get something done. So there's a lot of it's, it's still early in the rebuild. I know fans want to see wins, but there there's still a few ways uh, back. I think Scott Powers. It, he had like a what he's hearing about the Hawks article this week, and he said they're probably not going to be big players for the big guys in the free agency this summer because um, they're still not trying to tie up contracts with Bedard. They might have to re up him and these other guys coming up. They don't want to tie up money um, in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean the the books really open up after this season, right? But it's it's one of those things where yeah, they're they're going to open up even more the following year, and by the end of it, the only guy they're going to uh, the only guy they have under contract for like the next couple of years, Seth, Seth Jones. Jones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course Bedard too. But you don't want to see him go anywhere. Uh, I do want to get to that Cutter Gauthier news because um, it, it it's very recent. I mean, it happened just before the show, and uh, it's also relevant because Gauthier was uh, such a big piece of Team USA for Hockey World Juniors. But if you don't know, Cutter Gauthier is. A highly touted prospect in the Flyers organization. I actually was taking a look at a quick rankings from uh, HockeyProspects.com, and they have him ranked at number 25, just above Oliver Moore, who the Hawks drafted after Connor Bedard in the first round with their second first-round pick that they had this year. So think that. Think Oliver Moore-type player getting moved from the Hawks to some other team. And it's this is... Kind of crazy because it's it's just a prospect. I mean, he was just playing in World Juniors, and Flyers fans were thrilled to, you know, think about the future with him. But uh, apparently, I I don't know much. Uh, Elliot Friedman tweeting out: Apparently, Philadelphia had a lot of trouble trying to meet with Gauthier at World Juniors. Belief was he preferred not to play there, so the Flyers made this deal. Darren Drager tweeting out: Flyers GM Danny Barrere has been working on this trade for months. Gauthier wouldn't sign or talk with the Flyers, so they felt it was best to move on now. I know some people are actually wondering, you know, why didn't the Hawks get their hands on this? Because that right. that, that seems like a, a move that would make a ton of sense. And they got all that draft capital, too. Right. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe the Flyers don't want to help the Hawks in that regard because they understand already where the Hawks are and the situation of looking towards the future. But, I mean, Anaheim's got a lot of great young talent, too. They just got uh, a little bit more. However, it's not like the Flyers get absolutely nothing. They get defenseman Jamie Drysdale and a second-round pick in 2025. A lot of people are high on Drysdale's game. Another young guy who's 21 years old. He has been in the league for a couple of years. Um, Just seems to be like a really good two-way defenseman. So at least they get something that is, you know... Not like magic beans or anything. They they know what they're getting. And uh, Cutter Gauthier had the game-winning goal, though, against Finland in the semifinals for Team USA. Just just kind of some wild news right before the show. I was very interested to see. You never see, I mean, you hardly see moves like that. I mean, young guy for young guy. So I, I, I doubt we'll start to see a trend. It looked like it was just kind of a, 
a fluky occurrence with uh, Guachier. I don't know for whatever reason not wanted to play in Philadelphia, but uh, he's yeah, it's definitely weird since he's like never really even played in their organization at all. He's just like I, I, yeah, I don't want to play here. And I guess Philadelphia is like all right, I, like they try like. Elliot Fryman said they tried to talk to him at the World Juniors and they couldn't. And yeah. they're just like, all right, time to move on. Let's let's try to get what we can for him. It's 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 definitely an interesting situation. We'll see um, if he likes Anaheim. You got one more, or oh yeah, I got one more. <laughs> um, so our our old pal Mark Andre Fleury. Um, I don't know if you saw this show on Saturday. He had um, a pretty crazy save um, against the Blue Jackets, and then uh, it led them to tie it. And then they won it in overtime. So I have the audio clip from Bally Sports, um, and they they describe it pretty well. Let's see what it says here. Faber chips it in. Icing was signaled, then waved off. Yeah, Tarasov just too aggressive. Now Flurry racing to get back into the net. He dives across the crease, and the shot by Danforth went over the top of the goal. Hartman as Flurry races to the bench a third time. Johansson on the back end. He scores. So a crazy sequence there. They were pulling Mark Andre Fleury, but he left too early, and then the Jackets came trying to get an empty net, and he's out by the face-off circle, and he just comes diving across and saves it. <laughs> and then eleven seconds later, they tie it, and then they're able to win it in overtime. So that's really cool. Just a just a crazy sequence there, and Anthony Lapanta from Bailey Sports on the call there. But yeah. D- Flower doing flower things. And and the Wild won that game? Yeah, they won it in overtime. So they tied it 11 seconds after that happened, and then they went in overtime. See, I'm pretty sure that was career win number 551 for Fleury, mm-hmm. and that ties him for second all-time with Patrick Waugh in NHL history. So that's that's really cool that that's way how to that do it. happened. Yeah. <laughs> so he, I mean, that's what he does. We we got him here for a half season, and... He's still up there in Minnesota doing doing crazy things. That's that's insane too that he was only here for half a year. Right? I feel like it, it was it was I don't know. I don't want to say so long because it it wasn't so long, but just the type of guy he was. Maybe it was because we talked about him after pretty much everything, after every game, after every practice. He was such a good quote. He always just had a positive thing to say, and it is cool that he had a, a short stint with the Hawks, even if it was incredibly short. But uh, Yeah, le- definitely left his mark in a short time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to see the little back and forth he had with Kane at practice, that was awesome to see. And, yeah, just thank the world of the guy, and I know everyone else is in the same boat. And uh, Hopefully he gets absolutely everything that he wants because he, he – was just a charm when he was here. One more break here on Blackhawks Live, and then we'll wrap things up. 720 WGN. Last stop on Blackhawks Live. And the Hawks' next game tomorrow night against the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid coming to town at the United Center. It'll be a 7.30 puck drop, a 7 o'clock FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show here on 720 WGN. Not quite sure if we're getting our guests this week. So that is a bummer. But it's live radio, and these things happen. So we'll just uh, finish off the show, and Jack, feel free to chime in at all if you want to. Um, it, it's it's nice that this week's timing of the show comes after, again, back-to-back better performances for this team, and especially a win against the Calgary Flames. But it it's going to be a couple of tough opponents coming up. Edmonton tomorrow, Winnipeg after that, Dallas after that. We... Remember what happened against the Stars on New Year's Eve. Things lighten up a little bit with the Hawks hosting San Jose and then visiting Buffalo. But again, it, Hawks are in nowhere of of a position to be looking at opponents and just tacking on wins and losses. They 
they've been a very inconsistent team and, and kind of just a lot of different variables that they've had to deal with this year. So they've got to focus first and foremost on their game. Um, once again, with all these guys missing, it is an opportunity for other guys to step up and take advantage of playing time. And I, I do wonder how Lucas Reichel will take advantage of this whole situation. He got a lot of playing time yesterday. There were a couple of instances where he just didn't shoot the puck. Uh, I know it's a, a cliche argument, but there were just some circumstances where you want to see him just be confident in throwing it on net, especially when a guy like Philip Kurishev picks up the puck, spins around, and just throws it past Dan Vladar. And and I get it. Maybe not every goaltender is going to let that one through, but you're just trying to make things happen. And then later on, uh, the Hawks get a Nikita Zaitsev goal on one that goes off the foot of Nick DeSimone. I mean, things just happen. So maybe with this team in the position that they're in right now, missing so many guys, they'll just get into a shoot-first mentality and try to make things happen, and then that can carry over for when these guys come back because they can't rely on the top-tier offensive talent right now. They just got to generate chances and generate things um, to find the back of the net. So, again, I, I don't think this team is better off with all these guys missing, but I do think they can take advantage of the situation right now, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that works in their favor moving forward. Again, I, I'm going to be focusing a lot on Lucas Reichel. I feel like the last few games have been better for him. He has been earning more playing time. However, of course, there's been a lot of guys going down, but I think Luke Richardson is still a guy that's going to hold players accountable regardless of who's not on the ice right now. But, you know, you can make the argument that Reichel's the, if not one, one of, if not the most talented guy on the ice offensively with puck handling skills. Kurashev's probably up there too. But maybe this is a situation where Lucas Reichel can kind of take off a little bit more because there is no Connor Bedard and because he he is the most likely candidate to to put a hard move on somebody. But again, credit to Colin Blackwell for making that happen. And, and Jason Dickinson too, who we've seen a lot of it happened this year and I mean talk about the turn of a season that he's had I mean he already has been gaining earning responsibilities I should say earning all the success that he's been getting this season and again I know the Hawks don't have a captain but he's he's kind of the pseudo captain at the time now with everyone else gone including Nick Foligno he's probably one of the more vocal guys in the room he's the guy that's contributing more than others so I mean, Jason Dickinson's year has just totally changed, even just the last two years. I mean, think about it. He wasn't part of this Hawks team heading into last season. And that's just how crazy sports can be and how crazy an entire year can go along. And you just never know what's going to happen. So you need to be at the ready at any given moment. And I feel like Jason Dickinson has done that. And it could be elevated to a whole nother level as this year goes on. Um Luke Richardson will be tasked with a, a whole bunch more this year and <laughs> in, in these next couple of weeks. He's going to have to get really creative. Uh, we might even see some even more creative lines um, coming up. I, I know the team went with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen yesterday. That was something else that Troy Murray was talking about, how that just forces guys to play with a bunch of different people on the fly and, and move around pieces a lot more and and get used to just 
kind of dealing with the unpredictable heading into a game uh, day in and day out. So, again, something that could work out for this team. At the end of the day, it is still a bummer. Connor Bedard has just been such a light for this season and just done everything that we have expected him to do. He has said all the right things. He has done all the right things. He was on his way to the All-Star game. Maybe he still can make an appearance, but you just really feel for the kid, 18 years old, and uh, now he's he's going to have to sit out for the next couple of weeks with a broken jaw. That, too, is just quite a bummer. Uh, don't know the extent of the injury. We were talking a lot with Jared Tenorti last season. Uh, he was dealing with a broken jaw, but there was a whole bunch of other injuries that he was dealing with along with that. Luke Richardson is a guy that broke his jaw when he played. So at least those are two resources that Bedard can rely on a little bit. And I know I posed the question a couple of times on how this will affect Connor Bedard afterwards. Will he be a little bit gun-shy? Will he be a little bit more hesitant? Everything we've seen from him, that doesn't lead me to believe that that will be the case. But you never know with an 18-year-old. But you've also never seen an 18-year-old with this type of confidence and this type of entrance to the league just being as seamless as it's been. And a good thing to point out, Charlie brought this up yesterday, was the fact that Conor Bedard has played with a cage his entire life. I mean, the NHL is probably the first time he hasn't had one. So it's not like that's going to be too much of a factor or that's going to be too much of a challenge. Um, But you just still do hope that his transition back to the NHL can be his as seamless as his introduction in the NHL. And all this being said, without mentioning Nick Foligno a lot, I mean, what a huge piece that guy has been since day one. Always the guy to talk to when things are going down. Always the guy to talk to when uh, the team is faced with so many different kinds of challenges. And now they just don't have him right now. I actually, I did see him at the United Center before yesterday's game. So he's still around. He's still a resource. And much like Kyle Davidson said once Taylor Hall went down, who was kind of brought in to be somewhat of a mentor to Connor Bedard, they're still available. Their phones still work. I think they'll answer, uh, whether it's a text or whether it's a call. I mean, they can um, still give advice to Bedard, Korchinski, Reichel, anybody, um, and they'll still be around. So it's even though they're not out there on the ice, they're they're still accessible and uh, they seem like the types of guys that can provide that mentorship role even when they're not there, and especially Nick Foligno. I mean, he's he's the type of guy that just always seems to be wanting to teach and help grow and help develop, and, uh, man, what, what an acquisition and addition for the Hawks heading into this year. That's going to do it for Black Hawks Live. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get our guest tonight. I know you were really psyched about it, so was I, but uh, maybe another time. Big thanks to our producer, Jack Heinrich, for helping out. Big thanks to the Blackhawks as well. And again, next broadcast tomorrow night, the Hawks hosting the Edmonton Oilers. Steve Ruxton has your news next. After that, it's Dane Neal. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from the United Center with Connor McDavid in town.